electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. He's known as SBF, now disgraced, arrested, charged. Sam Bankman-Fried is now in custody in the Bahamas. Internally, they had a chat group called Wire Fraud. Was that right? right? How the fallen crypto king will be held responsible for the FTX collapse and the millions he lost. Why is he giving all these interviews out when it should be from a jail cell? And we parse the details of the case against him that regulators are building now. It is that, I would argue to you, it is that paragraph more than any other in this entire complaint when it comes to a criminal allegation that will be, if it is true, the undoing. People were calling him the J.P. Morgan. I never did. Plus, Moderna making a major breakthrough, the mRNA technology that could save lives. CEO Stefan Bonsell. Showing a 44% reduction of recurrence or death is a big deal for cancer patients. It's Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. News overnight. Sam Bankman-Fried is now in custody in the Bahamas. The ousted CEO of now bankrupt FTX arrested by Bohemian authorities Monday evening. This after the United States attorney for the Southern District of New York notified the Bohemian government that it had filed criminal charges against Bankman-Fried. According to a source, the charges include wire fraud, wire fraud, conspiracy, uh, securities fraud, other forms of securities fraud, possibly money laundering. Uh, We're going to talk about what all that means in just a bit. But in a statement, Bohemian Prime Minister uh, saying that the uh, the Bahamas and the United States have a shared interest in holding accountable all individuals associated with FTX who may have betrayed the public trust and broken the law. The request for extradition now expected following the charges by the SDNY, the SEC's director of enforcement announcing on Twitter that the agency has authorized separate charges related to his violation of securities laws. So we're going to be watching for that. And of course... We should mention uh, that he was supposed to be testifying today uh, in Washington. Maxine Waters out with a statement last night um, about this, saying that she was frustrated. They had planned for this, uh, that he should be held accountable, but that she was hoping that Congress was going to be able to question him under oath first. Um, There are some questions about why, from a timing perspective, you wouldn't want him to have testified under oath first. Yeah, why, um, why is that? And Jacob Frankel sent us a note. He couldn't be on with us today because he's sick, but he pointed out that uh, he thinks it's a timing issue because of it's a, the, making sure this happened before the congressional testimony. I would think you'd want the congressional testimony so you could A, a lot of people thought that, you know, he'd be walking effectively into a, his own, trap. a trap of his yeah. own making uh, of sorts. Uh, unclear. Uh, there's other views, by the way, that he might have even been having some success in turn, terms of uh, turning public opinion. I, I heard that last night. I don't know if that's uh, the case. Last month at the Dilbert conference, I'd asked Sam Bankman-Fried how concerned he was about criminal liability, and this is what he said. We lost track of a really important part of the business and of the product. Um, and so there absolutely were management failures, huge management failures. I bear responsibility for that. There were oversight failures, transparency failures, reporting. 
I can say in terms of the timing of this, it was unexpected uh, from the Sam Bankman-Fried side of it. I think the expectation among the legal community was that this was something that might take another month or two to, to nail down. We talked about it yesterday, and I was surprised myself in part because, as, as we discussed, I think, on the broadcast yesterday, when you, when you pursue an extradition, um, you have to have most of the charges lined up. You can't sort of slap somebody with a parking ticket, extradite them for the parking ticket, not having all your ducks in a row, and then decide to charge you later with about 100 other things. You have to have most of it pretty much lined up. So then the question becomes, have they you know, been able to collect every email and message already? Have they found somebody who has turned on him? Of course, the speculation has been about Caroline, uh, who was Ellison. videotaped here in New York. Caroline um, Ellison, his and, uh, and she hired his ex-girlfriend, uh, ex who, who, who was running Alameda. Uh, she uh, hired Wilmer Hale recently. Um, so th there's questions, of course, you know, does she have a deal? Does she not have a deal? We don't know the answers to those questions. But it appears that clearly they've moved very fast, and I imagine they must think that they have already built a very strong case. And, of course, we'll get those charges later today. We'll also hear from the SEC later today about what those charges look like, and we'll see how quickly um, he would be extradited. Of course, he could uh, contest the extradition. That could become its own case. But if so the Bahamian authorities are already saying it's in their interest too, it doesn't look like they're going to fight it. He oh, I think it would be very, very unlikely. But he, uh, but he could. I mean, he could legally, try. he could try, and we could see. So the we, other thing that we should say this has this is fast because you know you see people saying why is he giving all these interviews out when it should be from a jail cell. I mean, that's just the public. Well, one yeah, of the things it, that Jacob Frankel, a little while. One of the um, things Jacob right. Frankel pointed out is that, it's, look, he's already admitted in all of these interviews that he's done, he's already admitted basically criminal negligence and criminal recklessness. Right. Um, he's pro it seemed like it, when he right. was doing these things, he was trying to say he didn't have the intent and maybe that would protect him. I don't know. Him, but I, the it's thing been I less than a month. Was I was going to say, it's been less than a month, him, right? What's that? When you asked him, uh, what are your lawyers telling you? Right. And he said, oh, they're telling me, me not, not to, to be this. Right. And that, right. that would be the reason why, admitting uh, all of these things, basically. What are your lawyers telling you right now? Uh, are, are they suggesting this is a good idea for you to be speaking? Uh, no, they are very much not. Um, uh, and uh, I mean, you know, the classic advice, right, is don't say anything, uh, you know, recede into a hole. Uh, and it's not who I am. I mean, it's not who I want to be. But it's been less than a, than a month that it all happened. So this so all really fast. happened, if you look, November 7th was the yeah. key date. We're November on December 13th. The within, the, within, the, within the construct of these things, that's pretty quick. I think it's hard, it's hard to say this didn't happen Right. It's super just people fast. are, you know, is this on Twitter? And of course, the big question is going to be, is this a, a case of what might be described as negligence, which is a civil Civil crime, if that's a crime. Well, they said criminal um, negligence. Uh, or criminal negligence. Well, the question is, could there be a criminal negligence claim or, you know, yeah. something much worse? And that's, that's really the question. I will say, over the last two weeks, as he's now, uh, you know, conducted or participated in more conversations, it is clear to me, at least, that of this $8 billion hole, what's really happened, and it sounds like he's just admitted it straight up. All the funds. Well, but... He doesn't have them, though. No, but, no, but, that, what, but that what was happening was five bill, five bill, at least $5 billion of the eight comes to, through Alameda, set to go from Alameda to FTX. They're crediting the $5 billion over here on FTX. So people are trading 
with the money as if the money is over here. Right. But the money never left over here. And he's taking the money that's over here and, and effectively making investments and doing all sorts of things with that. So if they were moving $1,000 over here, they're supposed to debit $1,000 right. from right. here. They never debit. So there was a double count on the whole thing. And some people, we'll see what the courts say, would describe that as stealing. I thought you stole it. But that, it's that. It's the marks on the, on the... There's so many complicated things on this. It's the marks on the coins that they were coming up with and how you were creating those marks based on coins that you were basically selling to other people that you gave them the money to buy it back. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different layers on this. But I read something yesterday that internally they had a chat group called Wire Fraud. Was that right? Is that yes. Right? I mean, that's, the, that's the, the, the reporting is that there was a, that was the An name of their, chat group, their, signal, their signal group. So if the Fed, let's say that we didn't spend all that money last year, the government, and we didn't have inflation and the Fed didn't raise rates, would there still be FTX stadiums everywhere? Well, there really aren't. There really, it was sort of an illusion to begin with. So, <laughs> but that's where the stolen money went. Right, but it, well, they, there's some serious losses. Yeah. Well, there wouldn't be losses if all the crypto was still where it oh, was. I, I think you, we need to stop even worried about it. This isn't about losses. You this isn't about gains. This isn't about. Well, you didn't spend. I don't even. Th I, mean, there's, I think there's weird valuation. You don't things, think but that Bitcoin going from sixty thousand to sixteen thousand has something, or, and all of crypto collapsing has something to do with this? I think if somebody gives you five billion dollars, and you effectively take it, it almost doesn't matter what else right. happens. But when the tide moves out. That's oh, it exposes what you've done. He was using that as an opportunity to step in, and he was going to be the kingmaker of all of those places where right. he stepped in. To, he took the okay, stolen money or whatever, the allegedly stolen money or whatever you want to call it, and propped up all these other places. What if he made money on all the trading of the stolen money? Then it would have taken longer to uncover That's it. That's what because I mean. Because when the we water goes out, be, you see, when the tide goes out, you I mean. see we who's might been swimming naked. We might still have, you know, we may have a few more stadiums. It doesn't change that he was still swimming naked, though. No, you but know, we might not know yet. We might not know. But I, that's a, I'm not sure how much of this is actually ultimately about trading. You don't think it's about losses and uh, I mean, Alameda. I think that's when they've exposed it, from it to happen. But I think what it really well, what, was uh, is if a majority. But he didn't the spend the eight, the eight billion is gone. Some of it, right, is just gone. It's lost in trading. Yes, because he then went and traded that money That's away. What I mean. Or he spent. He might have made money. Spent it to buy all. Might have been able to pay it back. And, well, he spent it on all those expensive condos. But those yeah, but exist. Spend, that's a, what is that? Those still exist. Is that a hundred million dollars? Is that a hundred right. million dollars? No, by the way, the creditors will get that. That's yeah. that's it's like a hundred million dollars. That's real money. It was more than that, I think. Well, if you, even but half, yes, even a half a billion. It was not a billion. The collapse of FTX has shocked the investing world and the still-developing cryptocurrency industry. And a key issue now, as the investigation into the firm's collapse continues, is whether Sam Bankman-Fried and other leaders at FTX knowingly and improperly accessed customer funds. This morning, during Squawk Box's TV broadcast, U.S. regulators filed civil securities fraud charges against SBF. In a lengthy complaint, the Securities and Exchange Commission laid out the case against the embattled crypto founder and accused him of orchestrating a fraud. The SEC filing charges against Sam Bankman-Fried. Uh, this is a case that they've been bringing, uh, alleging effectively that he misled uh, investors, not investors in FTX, the exchange per se, meaning customers of the exchange, but this is a case being brought 
effectively to protect those that invested, the venture capitalists and others that put money into this company. Uh, that may very well be the limit of uh, U.S. regulators, uh, or at least the SEC's ability uh, to bring a case uh, in this regard. We are expected to hear from the Department of Justice with their criminal case uh, later today. Uh, the SEC is saying that unbeknownst to those investors, Sam Bankman-Fried was orchestrating a massive years-long fraud, diverting billions of dollars of the trading platform's customer funds for his own personal benefit and to help grow his crypto empire. Uh, within the context of the, the lawsuit, uh, they talk about a, uh, effectively an account called Fiat at FTX, uh, where lots of money appeared to be coming into um, FTX that they realized should have been uh, brought to one side from Alameda in that it wasn't, and that at some point, actually, uh, it appears that they're alleging that he actually knew, not only knew about it, but knew that there was $8 billion in said account, and all of a sudden, because of the way they had moved it into this account, the account was going to start charging them interest. So he had them move it to a different account so that the interest wouldn't be charged. I mean, this uh, is pretty there, clear. There's they, a whole sort of series of allegations throughout this, throughout this uh, complaint. It goes on something on the order. I, I got to get you to the bottom, but I think we're, we're, we're 20 about 30, 20, 28, 28 pages. 28 pages. For the, but it, look, this lays it out pretty clearly. They do think he was like Madoff. He was, he was using customer funds to make undisclosed venture investments worth billions of dollars, lavish real estate purchases, and large political donations. That's where the money went. They said... Um, Basically, Alameda, Alameda had an unlimited, a virtually unlimited line of credit that was funded by the platform's customers, that he lied to the customers about that. He lied to the investors about that. All along, he said that uh, Alameda would not have any different, uh, it would it'd have no special privileges, but that was a lie, that they were taking all of those customer funds and doing what he wanted with right. it. And billions of dollars Here, in these venture investments to... to to be what he, remember at the time, people were calling him the J.P. Morgan. I never did, but people called him the J.P. Morgan of his era by, by spending billions of dollars to buy all of these, you know, this, cryptocurrencies. This crypto is an interesting one. Into trouble. Um, Alameda was able to maintain a negative balance in its, in its customer account in FTX. Bankman Free directed software code to be written in around August of 2019, updated it in May of 2020, that ultimately allowed Alameda to maintain a negative balance in account on tethering it from any collateral requirements. No other customer account at FTX was permitted to maintain so a let's negative talk balance. talk about what he told you. So That he didn't know that this was That he happening. didn't know. Yeah. He, he said the, that he, he didn't he, know he wrote what Alameda the, was he doing. He wrote the software code in his sleep. Maybe he was sleepwalking. Seems like writing software code, like, when I do it, it's to affect some type of, of, I know what I'm doing. When I use a high performance Pascal or a, it's the only one I remember. <laughs> but think back, think back on all those things that it's, he's like, what me? It's like, yeah, it says, <laughs> I can't believe what happened. Item 18, There's no way, Bankman right? Freed remained the ultimate decision maker at Alameda even after Ellison and Trabuco became co-CEOs on or about October of 2021. Bankman Freed directed investment and operational decisions, frequently communicated with Alameda employees, and had full access to Alameda's records and databases. Um, one, one more, going back to what we were talking about before. Uh, in 2022, so now we're, we're this year, FTX began trying to separate Alameda's portion of the liability in its fiat at FTX.com account from the portion that was attributed 
to FTX. So this is, this is when they clearly know that there's a problem here. Alameda's fortune, which amounted to more than $8 billion in FTX customer assets that had been deposited into Alameda-controlled bank accounts. So this is, this is the commingling. This is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Was initially moved to a different account in the FTX database. However, because this change caused FTX internal systems to automatically charge Alameda interest in the more than $8 billion liability, Bankman Free directed that Alameda's liability be moved to an account that would not be charged interest. This account was associated with an individual that had no apparent connection to Alameda. As a result, this change had the effect of further concealing Alameda's liability in FTX's internal systems. It is that, I would argue to you, it is that paragraph more than any other in this entire complaint when it comes to a criminal allegation that will be, if it is true, the undoing. Yeah, the idea that he didn't know what was happening, they say he then used Alameda as his personal piggy bank to buy luxury condominiums, support political campaigns, make private investments, among other uses. It wasn't this that he didn't know. Not, not only did he know about it, he was using the funds right. himself. And there's, there's not another person that, is there another name? Who'd you mention, Caroline? Caroline there's not Allison. another name in a position to have been able to orchestrate all this. It's just, that's why... Thinking back on your interview and subsequent interviews, it's pretty amazing. And old Becky might have been right about looking at that guy, saying there's no way, right? A lot of people's reputation has taken a hit, firms and people. If you didn't look any deeper than just, wow, he's got Giselle on his side. I mean, if that's as far as your due diligence went or... Obviously, we're going to keep talking about this. I still want to know, what, what do you think? You know, once we found out 15 million, see, spokespeople, spokespersons, we've talked about this. What do you think a good fifth? 400 grand? Really lucrative fee. 15 million? 15 million? So what do you think Tom's fee was? Tom and Giselle? I imagine more. Yeah. Like, how much more? I, like, I, I, I couldn't does begin, it start with this, an H? This is like a game that I play with my wife or my kids where they ask me a question and I have no idea what the answer is. A hundred million? I have no idea. Would that surprise you if Tom got a hundred million? It wouldn't surprise I, me. It wouldn't surprise me jointly if they got a hundred That's what I mean. Yeah. I have no idea. But you, you say, we, we decided that Taylor Swift was going to get a hundred million. A so hundred. Right. Maybe that's, that's, and then we that's said a good that, benchmark. Then we said that uh, Katy Perry was... Taylor gets 100, she gets 10. I like Katy Perry. <laughs> I, I like, you know what? Less than 100, don't, don't bad mouth Katy Perry. I'm, uh, there's I'm Taylor a Swift and there's Katy Perry. Come on. Does Katy Perry write her songs? Does she? I think she does. I don't know. Kissed a girl. I know. Taylor is a bona fide uh, oh, come songwriting on. genius. Katy Perry's got a really need, good Elmo. We don't need to debate the, good what? the merits of Katy Perry. What, why not? I'm talking about the relative amount that Sam SBF would have. 20 you know what? It might come out. Maybe 20. Yeah, it, might, might. it might come out. We might know more. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Moderna is using mRNA vaccines for melanoma. And early studies show it is working. Well, CEO Stefan Bonsell. If we're able, like we proved today, to teach T-cell of a cancer patient to recognize mutation of that specific cancer that it could not recognize before, That's a massive medical step forward. CEOs are in the business of making decisions, and it's the outcome of those decisions that define their success. Hi, I'm Sam Reese, CEO of Vistage. For more than 65 years, we've engaged with more than 100,000 executives on this twisting leadership journey that we call a life of climb. Join me on Life of Climb podcast to hear firsthand stories from CEOs about the challenges they've overcome and the lessons they've learned along the way. 
Listen to A Life of Climb wherever you get your podcasts or at vistage.com slash podcast. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic. Q. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Breaking news in the fight against melanoma. We had disruptors, and Moderna was one of our first disruptors, and I interviewed him a couple of months ago. These, the, the results of this trial weren't in, but they're very exciting. Moderna and Merck releasing results of a phase two trial of a personalized mRNA cancer vaccine in combination with another pretty good drug, Keytruda. According to the report, the results demonstrated a statistically uh, significant and clinically meaningful reduction in the risk of disease recurrence or death uh, compared to just using Keytruda alone. And this is in stage three and stage four melanoma patients. That's where the freckle, it's like, what is that? That's, it, it, but already it's everywhere. And it goes you know, to your organs, your brain, your bones. It's just horrific. Uh, and quick moving, it metastasizes. But this combination of these two drugs reduced the risk or, of recurrence or death by 44%. Shares of Moderna right now, um, they, they're up a little bit uh, this morning, up 2%. Uh, percent. Begs a lot of questions. And I can just tell you, just looking at the news release, Stefan says, we're starting immediately looking at other solid tumors. We're not going to wait for all the results to see if it's just on melanoma because it's, it's really cool the way it works. You take a biopsy of a person's tumor, and then you identify where the mutations are in the person's DNA, then you use the messenger RNA just like you, so you it's do. it's personalized medicine, though. That's personalized, directly... completely personalized. Every tumor's different. They have neoepitopes, apparently, and they can identify as many as 34 of those and design this uh, what's called a vaccine, but it's, it's in a... That's what I was going to say. Vaccine, but only for people who have already... Words. And then you use it with Keytruda, which also ramps up your immune system. But you put the messenger RNA in. It codes for those neoepitopes, but not, it's not cancer, but it shows the mutated part of the genome. You put that in so your cells get all ramped up. That we don't like this. But they know what to attack. Your cell they, it teaches well, your immune system other things what that to attack. That, that have the, the tumor cells have those neoepitopes. But you're not introducing tumor cells. You're just introducing the... the uh, the messenger RNA to make the neoepitope. I mean, that's like the holy grail that we've been looking for and looking for since, Nixon declared, holy since grails, Nixon declared the war right. on cancer back in the 1960s. Had a lot of holy grails. Yeah. But, but uh, if you can actually personalize it and do right. it in an affordable way, and that, I guess that's the question, too, how much does this cost? If you're doing talking personalized medicine, you're usually talking some pretty high I've got red, red-headed kids, and I've got, you know, fair skin, and I've got, I've had squamous, basal, in situ, uh, mel- like, in situ melanoma can be pretty scary. I haven't had that. I well, that's that, like before stage one, but any of it, you know, you worry, and I don't, I got things that I've never seen before, and most of them, are, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're horrific looking hairs growing out of them. Okay, enough, enough information, but we see your point. Every time I go in, I get scraped every right. six months too Yeah. to see what's happening. Again, fair skin. Right. Um, what's most promising is the idea that they're going to go after other stuff too. Right, do it quickly. exactly. Um, so we'll look Before forward to Before they that. even get, you know, 
before this is commercialized or approved or anything else, let's start testing it with key That means on they must state. have some pretty, all right, that's great news. Join us now, Moderna CEO, Stefan Bonsell. When was the disruptor? Welcome, good to see you. We did the disruptors uh, day. It was about two and a half, maybe three months ago, and the trials were ongoing. You had some positive data from previous trials, but this is more definitive, Stefan? Yes, good morning, Joe. We are very excited because this is definitive. A study has read out 12 months out. And as you said, the p-value, the statistical significance of a study is real. These data are real. We designed the study to be powered. Uh, as you know, the control arm was Ketudra alone, which is the gold standard in cancer. And so showing a 44% reduction of recurrence or death is a big deal for cancer patients. So we are very excited. We are moving very quickly with Merck onto phase three for this study. We, of course, will talk to regulators to see what we can do to accelerate this as much as we can. And we believe from a mechanistic standpoint, Joe, that we're able to teach T-cell how to recognize your own cancer. And so we want to go aggressively in many different cancer at the same time in phase three in parallel, because we believe everywhere where Ketidra works, this should work. And we believe there might even be places where Ketidra doesn't work, where Ketidra plus Moderna PCV, personalized cancer vaccine, could work. So it's a big day for patients. The proof of concept you're, you're comfortable, much more comfortable with now. Can I just ask you, so there's solid tumors, there's, there, there's blood cancer, there's all kinds of, of cancers. They're, they're all personalized, Stefan, but do they all have these epi, uh, neo-epitopes? I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but do they all have different characteristics than normal cells that you can use to design the mRNA vaccine against? Do, almost all cancers have that, so you, you could theoretically go after a lot of different solid tumors or even uh, blood cancer? So that's correct, Joe. So at this stage, we think that solid tumors, uh, which is around 90% of cancer cases, uh, are the right place for us to start. Okay. Uh, as you know, cancer is a mutation of healthy DNA. Uh, now, we, thanks to sequencing technology, we're able to basically look very precisely what mutation do you have in your cancer right now, compare this to a healthy cell of your body, and design a product within you know, 45 days today, soon it's gonna be 30 days, just designed for you to teach your T-cell how to recognize the mutation of your cancer. Right, so the key Keytruda, cancer cells are, are, are devious because they try to fool the immune system into not recognizing it. So the key Keytruda sort of tries to strip away that the, sort of the mask so that your immune system can see it and then this, what, this ramps up the number of T cells that, that go after this specific tumor because the, the T cells should already see that tumor. They already see what you're, you just, what are you doing, multiplying the number of copies so that it, 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 they make many more T cells, or that your body makes a lot more T cells? Because they already know, they see these neoepitopes already in the tumor. So introducing more copies makes it much more potent. I don't think it's necessarily more copies, Joe. I think it's teaching new epitopes that the T-cell don't recognize. In the data we presented at ASCO in the spring of 2019, we showed that a lot of cancer patients, that we take the blood before our treatment and after. Before the treatment, a lot of their T-cell don't recognize some of the epitopes that we know exist in a cancer cell because we sequenced it. And we code that instruction in our product. And three or four of those, those are three weeks apart. 
three or four days after, we take the blood again of those cancer patients, and we see now, thanks to our product, their T cell can recognize more epitope. So I think that is really important in terms of recognition of new epitope and more epitope so that as your cancer evolves, you can keep it in check because there's 34 mutations coded in every one product for patients. Well, your stock was up about a dollar and a half earlier when we were talking about this. I think it's up uh, almost 15 points. So what other, where, would you always use Keytruda with solid tumors or would it always be in conjunction with Keytruda? And what's your next, uh, what else needs to be handled? Lung cancer or, I mean, they're, it's all scary because everything metastasizes and, and goes everywhere. So th this would give you a way, if you introduce it into the body, where it could it'd go wherever it was needed, it seems like. As you, can't, you can't remove all the tumors. That's the problem. And that's why we're so excited about this technology, Joe, which is exactly what you say, which is if we're able, like we proved today, to teach T-cell of a cancer patient to recognize mutation of that specific cancer that it could not recognize before, that's a massive medical step forward. And so we believe it should work in, in many, many solid tumor. Again, we will have to prove it for clinical studies, but that's our scientific belief. We believe it could work in different settings than this one. This was adjuvant, meaning after surgery. And so we're going to be using the, the strength of a balance sheet. You know, Moderna has $17 billion of cash. Merck, obviously, is very well capitalized. And as you know, through this 50-50 partnership, we share the cost. 50-50, and we share a profit 50-50. And so you're going to see us together very aggressive. As you know, Merck has done an amazing job with Ketudra to test a lot of tumor at the same time. And so you should expect the Merck-Moderna uh, partnership to do the same thing. We're going to be very aggressive for the sake of patients. Hey, Stefan, the, the study, uh, the, the trial that you were just talking about, how many patients are in it? How long has it run? Yes, it's a great question, Becky. So it's 150 patients. It was designed to be statistically powered. So we always wanted to know, is it working or not? We didn't want a half result. And as you know, in oncology, because it's so hard as a disease, it was critical. So that's why the p-value at 0 0.0266 really means that this data is for real. Um, and uh, we did two patients out of three got Moderna and PCV. Uh, one got Ketudra alone. We did less on the control arm because there's, of course, a lot of data out there on Ketudra through its own clinical studies. And so that's how Merck and us designed the study. So, so it's real. So the, the, blind, the blind study, though, was they got Ketruda. Nobody got nothing, right? So exactly. For obvious ethical reasons, uh, people had to get at least Ketudra. So it was randomized. So it's totally random what you get. And so people get either Ketudra or Ketudra and Moderna. And those with Ketudra and Moderna, so a 44% reduction of risk of recurrence of cancer or, or death. Yes. What um, stage four melanoma, what's the five-year survival rate on, on that without any treatment, Stefan? It, 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 it's very, very low because if you, even if you look at the, at the KTG, you know, published data after one year survival, you know, you're in the 70%, you know, 18 months, you're in 60%. So it's very low, which is why if the mechanism holds, and that's why the 34 mutations are really critical. Because if it was only one mutation in a vaccine and the cancer evades it, then the cancer can come back. But by having so many, and we think over time we might be able to increase it because there's only one mRNA per vial. 34 mutations stitched to each other in one mRNA molecule. But we can do more mRNAs, you know, in our CMV vaccine, which is in phase three. There are six mRNA in each vial. And if you think about it, that is really the power of it. The other piece is safety. 
the data will be published soon in, in a top tier journal, but what we can say at this stage is that the safety profile of a combination is very similar to the safety profile of Ketidra, which is not so surprising if you think about it. This is 100% the same chemistry for the mRNA, for the lipid and for the manufacturing process as Spikevax or COVID-19 vaccine. So we have a lot of safety data on this. It's exactly the same chemistry that we put in your body. Stefan, very quickly, we're almost out of time, but how, how long do you anticipate it will take before you can get some of these other cancers to the same stage with, with, with these sort of clinical trials? So I think, Becky, what we're going to try to do here is to go directly into phase three uh, for other type of cancers. The team at Merck and Moderna are working to prioritize which are the next tumors after melanoma, skin cancer that we go after. But what is clear is we want to be very aggressive in trying a lot of different things because this is real. Stefan, if China asks you for your vaccine, could you provide it to them? They're, they're relaxing all these standards and people are very worried about what might happen to the elderly population in China. If they were to come back and say, okay, give it to us, would you, can you do it? Of course, we are actually actively talking to the authorities. I cannot comment on those discussions, obviously, as we're talking to a sovereign, but we want to help people around the world to fight this right. virus. As you know, we have the vaccine that shows the, the best protection against hospitalization. Right. And so we want, of course, to help. Great. Thank you, Stefan. And uh, what can I say? Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Not that I need to say that, but uh, good luck. Thanks. Thank you. We're back in a moment. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the best of our show, the analysis you can't miss on the biggest stories in business and beyond. Please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And tell us what you think. On Apple Podcasts, you can rate Squawk Pod, give us a couple of stars, or write a brief review, or send us a comment on Twitter. We're at Squawk CNBC. And we'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. CEOs are in the business of making decisions, and it's the outcome of those decisions that define their success. Hi, I'm Sam Reese, CEO of Vistage. For more than 65 years, we've engaged with more than 100,000 executives on this twisting leadership journey that we call a life of climb. Join me on Life of Climb podcast to hear firsthand stories from CEOs about the challenges they've overcome and the lessons they've learned along the way. Listen to a life of climb wherever you get your podcasts or at vistage.com slash podcast.